0: Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where Encounter Meets Mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where Encounter Meets Mission. Friends, I'm your host for today's show, Aaron Richards. You you probably know that by now if you're not tuning in for the first time. If you are, welcome. We're happy to have you. I'd like to jump out of the gate and thank our friends at St. Gabriel Radio for uh, being a sponsor of this show, and also um, much of our beautiful studio is here on account of them. Friends, Beyond Damascus, show where encounter meets mission. Why do we call ourselves Beyond Damascus? Well, we look back to the story of St. Paul, who on the road to Damascus encountered Jesus in a way that changed his life forever. He uh, he came became he one man, and through, through meeting the Lord Jesus, he left a different man. He left... Uh, went back to the city of Damascus where he was trained up in how to uh, move from that moment of initial encounter to a place of mission that transformed the face of the church so that's what we believe you are capable of doing um, the that God desires to be in relationship with you and through that relationship he desires to transform the face of the church and uh, today we've got a special show yeah uh Brad how are you man good seeing you man I'm doing well doing start well with the high five yeah uh, that's right my my brother in arms Mr. Brad Perrin is is here with me today. Dan is uh gone through no choice of our own. Yeah, right 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 right. <laughs> Dan's had a last couple of weeks. He's, we need to intercede for uh the patron saint of cars. Yeah. And, um, yeah, had some had some difficult uh difficult transportation yeah, issues, he's the man. but we'll try um, to make up for his We're going to make up for it today. <laughs> so, uh the the angle that we were hoping to go kind of it it's it's part and parcel kind of this season. So Brad, this season at Damascus, you're launching into probably one of the busiest seasons of your mission here. And for those who may not know and who might be tuning in for the first time, so I I work here as one of our executive directors and Mm -hmm. and you work as our director for our missionary program. That's right. Give me a snapshot for those who might be tuning in uh, or haven't heard it before. What's the missionary program? Yep. What's that mean for you?
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, Well, the missionary program at Damascus is what allows us to really fulfill the mission that we feel we've been called to, which is serving the youth of the church. So usually when I'm uh, conversing with people and they're like, okay, the missionary program at Damascus, tell me a little bit about it. I'm like, well, we're a community of young adults who serve the youth of the church. And that community of young adults has grown over time. Like uh, when we first started here at Damascus, we were running Catholic Youth Summer Camp, which we had run for years. And then the Lord named Damascus. And all of a sudden we were asking ourselves, like, what is Damascus in addition to the summer camp that we run? And um, the young adults who were serving at the summer camp had served faithfully for years before. And all of a sudden the Lord started kind of tapping us with what could it look like for us to start a missionary program that's not just during the summer, but all year. So long story short, our missionary program has two different facets to it. We have our summer missionary program and our full-time missionary program. Our summer missionary program this coming summer will have 300 young adults who serve in three different locations here in Ohio, in Northwoods. It's actually in Wisconsin, but it serves Minnesota and Wisconsin, and then in Michigan, and that's awesome. And then what happens from there is after the summer concludes, we have a certain number of those missionaries who stay with us to serve through the full-time year here in Ohio, and this coming year, that'll be about 65. So, um, you know, give or take like about 20% of our summer missionary stay for full time and then we have a 2 year program where they learn the art of evangelization the art of community the art of prayer the art of holiness and they are deployed into the world so that's that's what we do we we've,
0: we i think we've hinted at and told your story in the past of um, yeah. kind of being one of the one of the trailblazers who mm-hmm. who responded to the call to our missionary program before it was even a program yeah that's right um I, I don't know. I'd love to hear from your perspective again. Yeah, so, thanks. So back in 2016, when we were starting here at Damascus, we we had uh, sort of flirted with the idea of um, embracing and understanding and defining this this missionary identity within the context of summer camp, mm-hmm. but had had no clue what the Lord hadn't had in, had in yeah. store. Uh, r- r- remind Remind me. Of, yeah. What what what's your process what look like?
1: Well, I think. Um, in all honesty, I think I first have to honor you and Dan and Amber and Monica alongside you guys as um, our missionary identity started way before we had a missionary program, which is actually the coolest story about Damascus, right? Is that there was this adventure that God was calling a select number of people in the central Ohio area to, and now that adventure has been spread to who knows how many hundreds. And yeah, it was actually November of 2015 here in Ohio. We broke ground on site and um, You guys welcomed me into that. I remember I was um, serving as an undergraduate missionary with St. Paul's Outreach. And I had this heart for high school and college. And I was like, how does this, how how can I live in a way that serves both? And um, you and Dan had just been like, you know what, come and just see the groundbreaking here. And let's talk through just what this place will look like. And over those next number of months, we stayed in communication and you guys welcomed me as they were building things on site to come and see. And my heart was just, um, I don't even know the word for it. My heart was, uh, I, it came alive because you guys presented a blank slate and that God wanted to do something. And every time, like I think back to my conversion, what I think about is like almost immediately I wanted to build something and I had no idea what I wanted to build. You know, I don't know if Noah woke up one day and wanted to build something before the Lord asked him to build the ark. But like, I just felt called in my life to do something that that built. And, um, lo and behold, I felt drawn to that blank slate. I said, yes, it was actually me and uh, Ben Huber who oversees our programming here. He was in Iowa. We said yes at the end of our college career to coming here. And then we kind of started the summer in that way going, okay, it'll be us 2 We'll kind of figure this out over the summer. We actually had a gal named Anna and she's amazing. Anna Lincoln, if she's listening today, she's such a gift. Um, And she said yes and Noah Gilchrist, who now also still serves with us. He oversees our sales, and then he also oversees our national team component. So Damascus has a lot of branches. But um, yeah, um, I remember when Dan officially asked me to be a missionary, when it's like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do the full-time thing. And I remember I called him back, and the offer was like, you can't make up the offer, right? It was just like, yeah, um, so we're gonna run summer camp and here's how you're gonna be involved in summer camp. And Brad, you're gonna do the counseling side and Ben, you're gonna do the programming side during the summer. I was gonna be a head counselor and uh-huh. Ben was gonna do programming stuff. And um, he goes, we can't promise you a job past Christmas, but we're gonna try some like high school men's retreats. We're gonna try some confirmation retreats. I think we can get some schools partnered with us and build from there. And, um, and we did that. And then the, the fall came and the Lord blessed it. You know, it's, it's like what you see in scripture. The fall came and the Lord blessed it. And then the winter came and the Lord blessed it. And then the spring came and the Lord blessed it. And then all of a sudden we were there through a whole year. And then um, it was like, well, we should probably welcome more people into it. So I remember in the winter time, we had more people come and see. And then we went from four to 15. In yeah. that first jump, we had 11 more people that are like, I'm in on this. And that got momentum started that, that never stopped. So yeah, I think when I think about my discernment, it was, it was a call to adventure very clearly to something I didn't know. And I go to that scripture a lot, um, Abraham, right? When, when God calls Abraham, he says um, for him to leave the land of his father and mother, to leave the land of his kin to a place that he will show him. He, he doesn't say like, hey, here's exactly where you're going. He's like, are you ready for adventure? And you have to get out of what you've known to do that. And yeah. so I think that was my, my call um, in those early years. And but, as we expand, it's just more adventure every day, so like yeah. early years now,
0: there's not a lot of difference, but it's so Brad, you will uh you don't often give yourself as much credit as I think you're due, and as much credit as the Lord is due maybe in this process but yeah, yeah what's so what started in two thousand and sixteen as truly a uh a missionary yes and um and not to say we didn't put every ounce of our energy sure. into sure it no, no, no. We did yes for sure uh. Today, you know, when, when you think about missionary programs in, in the church, in the Catholic Church, you think about some of the some of the, you know, the big front runners. Yeah, and right. in a real way, I think the work that the work that we've done, the work that you've done, the work that the, the Lord has led us through here at Damascus is has um we're we're not playing little league anymore.
1: Oh yeah, we're one of the forerunners in what I would say is the missionary apostolates in America, which is just, it's it's humbling and unbelievable.
0: And really? so, so from there, I, I want to celebrate that, and also kind of dive into as as we're opening up our our missionary recruiting season right now. Um, you know what what lessons have we learned over the course of the last six years? What what's our, our kind of our orientation for heart as a as a young man or young woman, not not too dissimilar from yourself, sure. looks at this invitation and says, "Like, could that be me?"
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say, um, I love your insight on this too, because I wonder what that would have looked like had I been in your shoes talking to me. Yeah. But now that I've walked with so many young adults over the last, I don't know, five, six years um, in a more intentional way than even those those first, uh, or probably that like first year. Um, what I notice is young adults who are faithful, who are uh, going to mass at least once a week, maybe daily. They have a personal prayer life, but they're young adults that are really looking for purpose. Yeah. That's been my like, my number one lens is like every young adult that I talk to, they're like, there has to be a deeper purpose to this. You know, like, yes, if if I follow the 10 commandments and if I live a moral life, then, um, then that is a better life than I am like a good person, but they get to a point where it's like, but if that's all it is, it, it yeah. does, it's not as, it's not as exciting as I would want it to be to spend my whole life doing it. Right. And so like, as I've seen that in the young adult church, like a desire for purpose, what I've been, I don't know, discussing with the Lord in my own prayer is like, okay, Lord, what, what is the purpose that you've been bestowing through these what, what What is this purpose that you're bestowing through? What I think is um, a renewal of mission in the church. I think the charismatic renewal has a lot to do with that of like, man, God has more. And what does that even mean, right? Because um, God's given us everything, but yet he also has more. It's that, it's that paradox. Like he's given everything, but it's revealed over time. And so, yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I'm getting so excited. I'm almost spilling coffee, but I think um, <laughs> um, the the purpose that young adults are looking for is what I think that we attend to most here at Damascus. Yeah. And I think that it's probably a universal. And, yeah. and I, I don't know, what do you think about that? Well, what, I,
0: I, I, you know, from- from before before Damascus right uh, in my time in youth ministry i was i was in love with john paul ii and his teaching um, theology of the body is what kind of got me started into a real deeper yeah, yeah. discernment of my own of my own faith journey and um i i, I recall his words frequently that that man can only, can only come to know himself through a through a sincere gift of himself yeah. and it's it's in making a gift of ourselves that we can actually step into a place of of understanding who we're called to be. That's right. You know, it's, it's foundational to the sort of the message of the show yeah. that, yeah. that I, I will never, I will never be myself until I, until I'm authentically faithful to the mission that God's calling me to. That's right. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, how do, how do we, how do we see that lived out and expressed? Well, we see that through, yeah, we have words for it, adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Ad- adventure is coming, into, yeah, it, coming right. into the expectation of like me yeah. stepping yeah. into my destiny yeah. and realizing what I'm what I'm capable of. Yeah, I of. define
1: when people ask me what's adventure, I say yeah.
0: excitement towards the unknown. There you go. Because all the
1: time we say Beautiful. adventure and people want to like push in on that. Like, uh-huh. okay, that sounds like a good salesman term, yeah. right? Because this can all seem like salesmanship. And it's like, no, it's, it's excitement towards the unknown. Yeah. They're like, the, yes. And it's all over scripture. So yeah.
0: Which, which, makes, which makes your job awesome because, because you, uh, you get to invite people into, into mission, into, into giving themselves away. And, um, I don't know, uh, there's a certain like sales component to that, that I I know for me, um, sometimes makes me feel uncomfortable
1: Yeah. until I
0: remind myself that what I'm, what I'm asking you to do, what I'm challenging you to do is going to be, is going to be the one thing, maybe the only thing right now in your place in life that's going to bring you to life. That's right.
1: And we have to define our terms too, right? (laughs) Like to to, to act like Jesus didn't sell people on something would just be incorrect. Now we can define those terms in different ways, but he sold those first disciples on adventure. Like he steps into their boat and what's he say? Come follow me Mm -hmm. and I'll make you fishers of men. And and he doesn't just say that because those are good enough words for us to reflect on. He filled their nets with fish, like if that's not a salesman tactic of like, hey, you know how you know how fool you feel right now? I need to watch my words because I speak like a Southern <laughs> Ohio person. Like, do you know how full you in feel my, right in my now? Mind I was spelling yes. as you feel. <laughs> F E E L. Do you know how full you feel right now? Like, imagine that if you were a fisher of men, yeah. right? Like, yes. Like, I don't want. And um, we we had talked about this in the Shia LaBeouf interview that he had with Bishop Barron, where he's like. Sometimes it can feel like salesmanship, yeah. like the faith um, in the way that it's presented to us. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I think where we have to strike a balance is like, to your point, when I am selling yeah. to the degree that I am, am I selling so that I meet a quota or am I selling so this person has an opportunity to do something amazing with yeah. their lives? That's very different. Like the idea that we at Damascus don't have a quota we have to match would be incorrect, (laughs) right? Like in order to serve the thousands of kids that have already signed up for camp, there is a certain number of missionaries that have to come. Sometimes that requires us really actually stating that like, hey, this is how many we need and would you be one of them?
0: So I remember in two thousand and fifteen, when you started, sixteen, when you started here at Damascus and Centerburg, we needed sixty three missionaries right in the summer, yeah, in order to accomplish the work. Yes, that we needed to yes. Do. What what's that number at today?
1: Yeah, that number today is three hundred and ten. <laughs> yeah, we need sixty five full time, right? right? So so we need as many as we needed in the summer at that time, and, and I do think it gets into something too. Um, there, the, it's 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 bizarre how it falls into one of two categories. We, we see people in the church that have either been wounded to the degree where they are really, really hesitant to risk something. Mm-hmm. And then ones that are begging to risk something. Mm-hmm. And, and we, ha- we have to tend to both well, right? Because the ones that are like, I have been duped before. Yep. I've been sold something and bought into it and it wasn't what was promised. I think this is the reason the church has been so big on speaking of suffering in recent years, right? Like, um, because it's, it's like, yeah, when I read the gospels, there's all these things, but yet they're suffering. And that's where we talk about here now, not yet, all the time. It's like, yes, that suffering doesn't eliminate healing, but the healing doesn't totally take all of suffering out of the world. It's so so what's, what's the two there? And we have to walk with that person. But then there's the person, and this is where I think I was. Yeah. I had just been, um, I don't know, devoid of a, a Jesus worth following. Like, like I, I liked that Jesus was um, right in his arguments. Like you can even just read it from a practical standpoint. I mean, Jordan Peterson does this and so many people listen. He's just arguing from a practical standpoint that Jesus represents something. I was fascinated by that. But then it really was a presentation of Jesus that was like real. They're like, oh, I could be a man like that? And I had amazing men in my life throughout my life, but I don't know how many of those men, their primary goal was to be like that man because maybe they hadn't been provided the story. So we have to give... We have to give that there. So anyway, these two sides, it's like, we have to provide the context for risk to those who are hungering for it. And we have to give the context of community and wholeness to the people that are looking for it. I think Damascus brings it
0: proclaiming the faith changing lives the year was 2005
1: ewtn embraces new technology to carry out its mission of evangelization by making its live programs and classic broadcasts available for podcast online in mp3 format at no charge to learn more about mother angelica's life and the history of ewtn visit ewtn.com slash mother angelica
0: The most
1: original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. Human beings are God's greatest masterpiece. Every person is made in the image and likeness of God. But every saint, that is every person who accepts God's invitation, His upward call to make them holy. And so every story presents us with a unique masterpiece that God is writing. The Journey Home, Monday night, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television.
0: Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Okay, so, so you've got the challenge of bringing in 310 missionaries this summer. Yeah. Uh, how yeah.
1: how does that happen? Well, the, <laughs> the, first, the first, and we should speak this, and I think you and Dan and I do a good job of this, but we have the most amazing team in the world. Like the team that works for me in our missionary program department, yeah. like the way that they intercede for young adults of today, the way that they work more hours than most positions would ever allow for, and the way that they like actually give their whole heart to what they're doing is really special. So like having that team is so crucial because, because you and I can't carry that weight alone and we weren't made to, right? And so, but when you have people that commit together, it's like, let's take on this task, right? Let's believe in our, our purpose, our mission, our adventure, right? Like some people's adventure is going to be coming to Damascus. My adventure is getting 310 people here. Like I have no idea how that's going to happen, but at least like the, the practical steps that we've seen is like, first of all, having that team, getting that team together. And then you you mentioned it earlier, our, our way of bringing people into a way of life is taste and see. So, we believe in incarnational recruiting, right? Like, I don't even know if I like the word recruiting. It's funny because we actually, we're still not sure where this will land forever. But right now our recruiting department is our future missionary department because um, <laughs> I, I, like, because every person that they encounter, I want them to have the heart of recognizing that that person's a future missionary, whether with us or not, right? Because I, I don't want to bring someone out of their call. I want to bring them into their call. And so when we see that every person has a mission, we can go and we can meet them there introduce them to this story and tell them to respond to the story, right? Hear the story of Jesus. The saints of history have responded in, I don't know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of ways, and you're called to respond to it. And one way you can respond is by coming to Damascus and being a part of what God's doing here. And and it's giving the younger generation what you never had, right? And that's a huge sell for so many that are in this risk, like adventure pocket, right? And then the other places over here, it's like, oh man, I have so much to parse out here. It's like, yeah, come serve. Like, there's no better thing. Like, we don't want to minister from woundedness, but I want to heal while serving, yeah. right? Like, I, I want to heal while serving. Like, I want, to, I want to give of my life so I can learn about my life, right? You mentioned, like, God, met Spes, the, like, sincere gift of self. So I would say that really our strategy is having a great team bringing an incarnational reality of Jesus to the campuses where we're recruiting and the conferences where we're recruiting, meeting people face-to-face, asking them what their dream for their life is, trying to partner them with that dream, even if it's outside of Damascus, so we can stay authentic to our call. And then from that place, intentional follow-up that asks good questions and brings them into a process.
0: Good. So I think that process is what's on my mind. You know, we talked about, and and I remember walking through this with you. I mean— it's it's not like you do this on your own. The, no. the process of discernment when you right. were when you were responding to the call here at Damascus, um, that was a that was a personal, invested like invested time. How do you how do you engage in a way that that like is personally invested and speaks to the heart yep. for hundreds of people? Like what what's discernment look like when we're discerning it? Yeah, I mean, like that.
1: I think that's actually the question. Like, I think that's the question of the young adult church. When, when, when I'm brought onto committees and things that are asking about missionary life, I want to hear your thoughts on that too. Um, but I'll, I'll kick the can around for a second here. I think when I look at young adults today, yep. we mentioned this already, but I, I think most of them have forgotten that there's someone that's in their life that has their best interest in mind at every moment and has solution, not problems right? And, and when we lose that context, we've, we forget that we have a lifeline. We forget we have a place to ask, you know? And so we get caught up with thousands of options and we feel such an anxiety and a pressure to choose the right one. Well, the odds that you choose the right one out of a thousand is zero. Like you're just not going to, you're, you're not, you're not going to choose it, right? It's like finding a needle in a haystack. And of course, that's anxiety provoking, especially when there's a timeline on it, right? Imagine trying to find a needle in a haystack and someone telling you, hey, I'm gonna start the clock now. It's like, I'm gonna waste one minute just in total sweat before I even start. But if we remember that we have someone that has our best interest in mind, who wants to give us solutions, not problems, when we're reintroduced to that relationship, again, it's all strategic. So when we run an event at a college campus, We wanna have Eucharistic adoration. We wanna bring people to the face of the one who's intimately involved in their lives. And at the very end, the sale isn't, and if you love him, you have to love us, come serve at Damascus, right? The the sale at the end is this man, as close as he was to you tonight in the monstrance is even closer day to day. And he wants to give you the answers to your life's questions. And he doesn't wanna give you a cheap answer. You speak this so well when it comes to like the Easter hunt, Easter egg hunt, right? Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't wanna give you cheap answers. He wants to give you answers that he unveils in a variety of ways. But when we start that relationship, teaching people to go to the Lord, yeah. and, and then, and this is where I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts, is um, I think discernment fundamentally breaks down to three questions. And you're actually the first person who taught me these questions, where they come from originally. We can talk about that. But the, the three <laughs> questions, and we teach this whenever it comes to mission, right? So if I'm at a gas station and I'm going up to the gas station attendant and I'm buying, a, oh, I don't know, whatever, a, a coffee or something, I as I'm approaching that man, can enter into a process with the Lord, where I ask, Lord, what is your heart for this situation, for this man, for this place? What do you want me to do about it? So that's the second question. And when do you want me to do it? That's the third. So what is your heart, Lord? What do you want me to do about it? When do you want me to do it? In that analogy with the gas station attendant, it's probably all of 15 seconds, right? And you're just intently wondering what God might speak. I think you can do that same thing over the course of a few months if you're trying to decide what to do with your summer. Like, Lord, what is your heart for my summer? Start there. Like, what do you, what do you want for me this summer? Right? And you're probably gonna originally start with the classic answers, right? Like, you want me to grow closer to you this summer. You want me to give of my life this summer. And that's not gonna have a lot of like concreteness to it. But don't give up there. Of course not. Like, it, it's purposely not gonna have a lot of concreteness to it because the next step is where concreteness comes in. So then you ask, What do you want me to do about it? Well, there's where steps start happening. And then the question that I think all of us forget to ask is when, right? Like, like there is a real reality that we've had missionaries here who one summer are like, I want to serve there so badly, but I just don't think it's yet because I think I'm supposed to look at what this has for me. And then they go into an internship or something. They recognize something that they want to fix in the world. They come and become a missionary here and then deploy back into that sphere of influence. So like when matters. Right, but again, I think you're such a I good wonder, witness to that yeah, too, Brad. Well, yeah. What do you think <laughs> about that though? I, I, those questions, I think you can. We teach them a lot in the micro, yeah. and I and that's completely necessary. I think you, I think you can take
0: them. That's great. Up, yeah. So that, I mean, that concept comes from our kind of our prophetic teaching, and I think my first place in grabbing that was in Vacaville, California. That, yeah. Uh, so there's there's three three components to to understanding prophecy. Right that that God gives the content, the revelation, and then right. God. God offers an interpretation and then, and then we seek the means by which God desires for us to apply that application. So revelation, interpretation, application. And, 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 and and the way that we, the way that we enter into that process, I think the the key is, is understanding that this is, this is supposed to be about relationship, right? Right. So it's, it's so easy in the context of discernment or in prophetic prayer to, to, think that the end goal is a piece of information. Yeah. So yeah. the end goal about this, mm. the end goal about this missionary discernment process is understanding what my commitment level is come June. Yes. Right. And uh th- the good news is that it it's it's not about that. No, it's not. Right? I can I can get I can get the detail wrong. Um I could huh. I could I could screw up the process of of you know so being influenced by my own desires or being influenced by uh, by whatever the struggles that I may face in um, from family or financial pressure or, sure. or whatever the case sure. may be. Uh, and if if I say yes to a, a process that um, brings me into conversation with the Lord, yes. like that, that's the that's what makes the difference in in maturity and prayer and expression
1: wisdom to that. I, well, I think about that in the human context. Yeah. So I, Nina and I, um, bought a house, uh, when it was in eight, April. So when we were recording this, it was like six months ago or something yep. like that. And, um, it's funny cause I've never thought about it like that. But now that I am thinking about it while I'm talking to you right <laughs> now, it's like, man, it wasn't about the house. Like the, the way that Nina and I had to have conversations, we never would have had outside of that. Yeah. The risks that we had to take together. Well, even I, I'm now thinking just the conversations you and I have had yeah. over the last number of months on, on you and your family and figuring yeah. out your housing situation. Yep. Like, what if that was about relationship? Like relationship between Aaron and Monica, relationship between Aaron and Monica and their kids, relationship between Aaron and Monica and Damascus, yes. right? Like yes. we can take that into the concreteness of our every day, but this is the thing is all of that requires us to recognize that there is someone with our best interest in mind who has answers we don't always have. And that, that's like- there's a yieldedness to that. And again, because he's the ultimate relationship that infuses all of those others, yeah. right? Like he transcends the other relationships, not because he doesn't want to breathe into them, but because he has the solutions to make those happen. And so like, I think that and I experience this a lot with young adult men who are discerning vocation and, and that's, and I, I've talked about vocation a lot on this podcast and it's because I have such a passion because I think we, um, We bear a weight sometimes in the church as young adults who have given our lives to the Lord that I don't think we're supposed to bear. And and it's something like this. This is the analogy I always give. We treat God as if he's written a book about our lives and hidden it in a library that we have to frantically find before we die, okay? So like it's a huge library and he's written a book and it's, it's about your life or my life. And he's hidden it and go and don't die before you find it or- purposelessness is yours, you know? (laughs) And it's like, no, because that's not God because the father's actually authoring my book right next to me. And man, and the relationship you can have when you realize that, like even when I choose against his will, he still writes it into the book, you know? And like, and then it's like, okay, well, we're gonna have to figure this one out together, Lord. Like, how do I get out of this? And, And, but it weaves the most beautiful story and he's not gonna impose it on me. And here's another thing, like in our times of discernment were like, yeah, well, if he promises certainty. Well, in that analogy, if he's authoring the book beside me, if I flip way ahead, they're just blank pages. And of course, I'm going to get frustrated. But, But it's because he's like, no, let's get back to this page. Like, what are you doing right now? I think we get so obsessed with that end result that you're talking about, that we forget about the relationships that the relationship that's developing in the meantime, I mean, let's just presume that someone chooses marriage and they should have chosen priesthood. Is the father just like gone forever, you know, like, or, or the, or vice versa or vice versa. And it's like, no yet at the same time. Right. Like, and I know that people listening are like, yeah, but of course the, but of course we want to hear from him, but we don't want to hear from him because we're afraid of getting it wrong. We want to hear from him because he promises us to have the most fulfilling life for us. That's a very different approach. Like when I talk to you, Aaron, like about different things we're doing here at Damascus, it's a very different approach when I, I come to you out of fear of messing up in my position versus if I come to you like, hey, you have wisdom here I don't have? What if we partnered together? How cool could that be? It's just a different process. It's, it's the same, I guess, end result maybe, but it's a different process. So you're right. I think we get obsessed with the end and we don't look at them. At the, well, because- the end isn't really the end. So this is where I get at with vocation too. Like yeah. the end is the Lord. Yeah. So all of this is means, it's just the way that I have relationship with the Lord. He's the source and the summit, right? So the Lord is he who gives me the information on if I should become a priest or a married person. So he's the source. He's He's, he's, the, vo- he's, he's the voice, the vox. He's the vocation, the call. He's, he's speaking here. Here I am. I respond so that I can get back to that voice, right? And that makes life awesome because it comes from him and back to him. You know?
0: Uh that's awesome. Yeah. So um so in order to effectively or more effectively enter into that process, like I-, I need to be in a constant state of of response. I need to be in a constant state of 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 seeking the Lord's voice and responding courageously. Yeah. Yep. Um yep. Which is which is why I, I think uh, we've joked about this before, right? The the single best place to discern a call to the priesthood is in the seminary. Yes. I think, like, yeah. to to make a courageous act of faith, yeah. where I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to put my heart on the line to be able to to be able to do this thing, yeah. right? Um, you, is there any person for whom a response like a, a summer at Damascus is is inappropriate? I'd say no. Oh, right, right. I, I mean, like, wh- where else? Mm-hmm. For whom, is, for, for, for whom is a season where I can learn about self-sacrifice, yes. where I can learn about modeling mm-hmm. um, the life and the Spirit to young people, yeah. where I can learn about what it means to give a missionary yes? Sure. For whom is that not helpful yeah, yeah. and appropriate, right. right? Well, ask
1: any Catholic <laughs> husband, ask any Catholic husband, if you would have gone to a come and see at a seminary yeah. or stayed there for a week or even entered for a year, yeah. would your marriage be worse off for it? No, no, none of them would say yes, right? Because it's a matter of information gathering. And I, I do think in this season of the church, if we're going to get to very specific, we do need to discern mission. Be, because we can continue to bicker on like, yeah, the world's going that way. We should build up over here and kind of walk alongside the world or we need to conquer the whole. Like we can get into all of that. And there, yeah. there are lines there and I'm I'm not even sure where yeah. all of it falls. But one thing I can definitely say is that the church in this season of her existence, is going to need holiness and mission to mesh in the most, I don't know, outward way that it has since the early church. And so a summer with Damascus, in my opinion, it it, it does, well, it does three things. So the the idols that we tend to make in our lives, we make an idol of the wisdom that's been given to us before. And so, and this can be a real tension for us as young adults, because it's like, my mom and dad have loved me so well and given me great, great wisdom. But there comes a time where I have to leave the land of my father Hmm. and mother. Right. So, and and that's Abraham, that's Abraham, right? Like, and Abraham did it when he was a hundred and some of us do it, you know, I don't know if he was a hundred, he was old. Um, So there's a part of that. that's like, we can appreciate the wisdom that's been given, but now let's go gain some wisdom of our own, which only comes through experience. And sometimes we'll drop the ball there. And what's beautiful about that is I can call mom and dad back and be like, hey, I need some help. I know I made this choice. And I know that when, when I first told you that I might make it, it, we both didn't understand it. And here's where I'm at, right? So I, I see that, that rub with parents sometimes with young adults. And I understand it because there's good wisdom there. But, but we can't make an idol out of the wisdom of the past or we'll never gain the wisdom of the present for the future generations that we have to pass it to. Second is um, it, it tears down the idol of relationship um, in the context of how the world defines it, which means I have to be with you all of the time, and we have to act like we agree on everything. <laughs> um, when you come to Damascus, that's just not going to happen. You're going to be with people who are different than you. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time, just even at our leadership meeting. Just how many different temperaments and and mindsets we have. How beautiful that is. But you, but that'll 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 heal you fast. But you have to be willing to enter the process. So sometimes we can make an idol of a relationship. I see this especially with dating relationships because it's something like well, I found the one, there was a thousand options and I found the one, I can't miss it. It's like, yeah, but if we hang on loosely to that, it's gonna, it's gonna serve us so much better in marriage. It's gonna serve us so much better in life. And then the third is finance, right? So the, the idols that we make, right? The wisdom of the past, and, and that keeps us um, frozen. Um, we can make an idol out of relationship and, and that leaves us frozen. And we can make an idol out of finance, which leaves us frozen. We have to be in one track, right? Um, and what I would say is why I think Damascus very easily could be a call for every young adult isn't just because I'm overseeing the missionary program. It's because those three fundamental things we have literally intentionally built our program around yeah. addressing. Yeah. And if anyone addresses that for three months, they're gonna be better served, honestly. And, and I still wrestle with it. You and I have been having conversations about how, how do we do mission support raising long-term for our organization? I've been talking to our diocese here in Columbus. How do we get mission support raising and we could have an, an entire episode on that, but ultimately it's, it's, it's bringing <laughs> people onto mission with you through their financial resource. Yeah. We, we've had conversations about dating and all of these things, not, not because we want to be, I don't know, um, perfect in those areas, but we want to address those three things where the world can freeze us. We want to free people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would give as like a, I don't know, just a general context of like young adults today seeking purpose, um, and the discernment piece that I think is huge. So,
0: and the good thing is, uh, we can't promise riches here at Damascus necessarily. Um, we 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 can lead toward good reconciliation in your family, correct? Right. Uh, And we can just about get to the point where we can promise that you're going to leave with a spouse.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, that's another thing too, is like, don't be, I think that's almost like a context for a promise, right? Is don't be so sure that what you have now is all that you ever could have. And again, I know that that's like totally abstract. (laughs) No, but I do think that there's a piece to that though, because it's sometimes it's like, well, I even think about this with Nina, my, my walk with Nina. So I, 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 well, maybe you have some wisdom in that with Monica too. But when I first met Nina, I, I had never been so intrigued by someone in my whole life. Yeah, I just, and I know that you had this experience too, because I know what you said shortly after meeting Monica, which was my same experience with Nina. I was just like, that girl just intrigues me so much. Like I, I would get life from a life with her. You know, And I was in the middle of um, just a, a season where I was seeking the Lord explicitly. I wasn't going to enter seminary, and I wasn't going to enter a relationship because I had just met him, and I didn't even know what it meant to listen or to like do life at all and, um, in the Lord, right, like do life in the Lord. Um, so there was a period of like, like hard waiting where I'm like, I really like her. I don't know. Like, am I even doing what's right? You know, like confusion kind of. And then we stepped in, and I remember not having certainty. And at that time, I thought discernment was certainty. But watch how God uses it, right? Like, so Nina and I, after a few months, stepped out for the first time because I didn't have certainty because I thought that you had to have certainty for all the things. And, um, and, I, and the Lord used it so well because then I actually went to a seminary for the first time and stayed for a week. And I was like, whoa, this is a beautiful way of life. I went to a few religious orders. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is a sweet way of life. And I, yeah, I started noticing in my heart this desire for celibacy. And then what's so funny is the Lord took me through all of it. And Nina had dated um, others in the meantime and things, and took both of us on this path where, at a moment, I, I went back and I was like, hey, I want to try to do this differently this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not certain, but I'd like to welcome you into my life in a vulnerable way that I didn't at first. And my goodness, it was better. It was better. And so I, I'm bringing that up because sometimes, yeah, people come here and they'll have a relationship that, like, um, what was, was good. It was. And, and then they offered it as a sacrifice and they either step back into that later better, or sometimes they'll find others or at other times the Lord will work through their, um, I, I don't know, their distance to actually heal things in both of their hearts and bring them together. So it's like, um, nothing's wasted on the Lord. Right. And, and maybe we can focus on that for a second. I wonder what you would say about that. I, like nothing's wasted on him. Like I've never, ever made a sacrifice where the Lord hasn't outdone me. Now, again, I'm even in a season right now of certain things within my own family context that I don't see the fruit yet. And I'm wrestling with it. I'm like, I've made a sacrifice here, at least to my own estimation, Lord. And I don't think that it's better right now. But again, because of all the past, it's like in five years, I think I'm gonna think differently. Now, right now I am going to him and being honest. And um I wonder yeah like sa- like right like sacrifice that's what we were made to do.
0: Um it's funny in the in the context of like discernment in dating. I remember one of the the image that keeps coming back to me yeah. is that like I could spend my whole life looking for an individual who's going to be my fulfillment. Yes. Or I could orient myself in such a way that I'm I'm locked in on I'm locked in on the Lord mm-hmm. and I'm pursuing him in this in this race, and then I look to my left and my right and I see who's running with me right and that, and that those are the individuals, or that's the individual that I'm called to spend the rest of my life with yeah, right. and um you know we've we've had so many so many beautiful stories of of someone you know a missionary coming into Damascus with a a broken relationship with with his or her parents right yeah. Yeah. and um it, it's not that the missionary formation program here talks about, hey, here's the good conflict resolution methods. No, it's it's about the fact that mm-hmm. over the course of of a summer or a year or two or five, yeah. that this um son or daughter came into a relationship with the Heavenly Father that ultimately brought them brought them to a place of healing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's from that healed place that I can actually bring that grace into the relationships that exist in my yes. life.
1: Yes. And he shared his heart with them. What his heart was, mm. he shared with them what they should do about it, yes. and he shared with them when they should do it. Like that, thats the thing—is we try to find this methodology yeah. that, that I'm confident is just found in him. Like when we when we get caught again, I'm not. Please, anyone listening, like and you can make comments if you have other thoughts, but like I'm not trying to say method has no place. I'm saying it has a subsidiary place to relationship with the Lord, right? And to the degree I can trust someone that they're listening to him, yeah. I, I can I can judge the later things by its fruits and then help them. If the fruits are going sideways, we yep. can prune and we can do other things, right? Yep. Like, I think sometimes we fear making a decision up front that might have sidewaysness to it, yep. but every decision has sidewaysness to it. Like if you've been married for 15 minutes, you, well, no, maybe not. But if you've been married for two <laughs> weeks, maybe three months, like <laughs> you, re- you recognize that there's like that, that I'm different than this person. Yeah. that that I'm different and I'm more selfish than I thought I was. And like, there's going to be a myriad of things that like present themselves to you. But I can tell you this, what God put together, no man, including the two in the relationship can put asunder. Like he wants to transcend that and be the answer. And like, man, I do go back to what I was saying at the beginning. We have forgotten that there's someone who has our best interest in mind all of the time, even when we don't understand it. You know, Um, Bishop Barron gives the analogy, and I, I love Bishop Barron. And I know that he he is just out on the front lines and like again there's so many people that analyze maybe what might be perceived as missteps that he takes but man he's out there like he's on the battle line you know and i can i can always appreciate that and he he was talking about taking his dog to the vet and talking about this in the context of understanding god's ways and he took and he loved this dog and the dog needed to get its shots and as the dog is laying on the table Bishop Barron was like, this is like, I think in his teenage years, he's like holding the dog down and the dog's like looking at him like, why are you doing this to me? Like, and and Bishop Barron uses it as an analogy to say, I couldn't in that moment even try, even try for a second to explain how this was for that dog's good, (laughs) right? And because my thoughts are so other than that, Uh right? And like in that same way, like it it can feel like anyone listening today, if you're waiting on um, the vocation that you feel called to, if you're waiting on the mission that you feel like is going to embrace the gifts you have, it can feel like, Lord, I have no idea how this is for my good. I have no idea how this is for my good. Or if you're going through marital trouble, or, and by marital trouble, I mean arguments that are hard to resolve. Like I mean like um, preferences that are competing. I mean like all of these things that we find. But again, if we can submit those to the Lord, that's where resolutions had, right? That's what Jesus does. He brings the Lord to us. I mean, if we simplify the gospel as much as humanly possible, he, he brings God to us. That'd be good for all the, all the seasons of our life.
0: So you will, you will never come to know yourself other than a sincere gift of yourself. And um, that, that, that's the message of encounter and mission. The reason that, the reason that you and I believe so strongly in a, in a summer or a season or two years on mission with Damascus is because this is a place where you can come and you can be you can be assured that through mission that you're going to have a community that 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 pushes you into relationship right, right and that you're going to you're going to find the Lord in a new way. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com/radio/podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break.
1: The beauty of Take Two is I think it organically
0: unfolds. We try and weave the faith into every program. We have some topics. People say, how are you going to bring the faith into this? And we say, you just watch. The Holy
1: Spirit will do it. It's beautiful because life happens and faith is a part of every area of our lives. At least it should be. Join us as we listen, learn, and grow together on Take Two with Jerry, and Debbie, and you, weekdays at noon Eastern on EWTN Radio. A special item on EWTNRC.com
0: this month is the World Peace Rosary with Queen of Peace Centerpiece. Designed by Gurelli exclusively with EWTN, continents are represented on a unique
1: crucifix, uniting the world in Christ. In the center, the Blessed Mother watches over the world, encouraging the peace only found in her Son. Order today at
0: EWTNRC.com, item number 41468, or call 1-800-854-6316. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio.
1: Early in my conversion, I don't even remember where I read it or if it was presented in a talk. But there was like this take-home poem that was—it um, might have been a poem. I don't remember, but it was—it was and I bid you come. Di-. And I don't know why it stuck with me. It, it wasn't like, and, and because of how beautiful the words before, it wasn't like some daunting, like dark thing. It was like, and I bid you come die. It was like the most loving invitation you could ever have. And I remember it just. St- stuck with me. And all of a sudden now in this season of the church I'm being brought into all these committees that are like men aren't aren't committing. Right? Men aren't on any of our parish committees, they're not they're not investing anywhere, they're not coming in as missionaries at the different apostolates that I, like they're not coming. And 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 women I, there's just something about their receptivity that we really need to learn from because I don't get asked that question as often. But I do with the men and I'm like but maybe it's because we haven't bid them come die. Maybe it's because we've taken the bar and we've brought it so low to try to maximize uh attendance that in bringing it so low the value is not seen in it you know because we can do that and we can i can do that in my life i can lower the bar artificially so i feel like i'm adequate or i can leave the bar high recognizing my inadequacies and filling the gap with the lord's mercy that's better and and that's what we should do right and I don't know. I wonder what you've seen in that. Cause I think there was a part of me that felt that whether you and Dan intended it, that Galatians two twenty reality, you guys did not, you didn't hide from me that I was going to come and it was going to be a struggle. <laughs> like you didn't hide that. Like, Hey, like there's going to be, there, there's going to be long yeah. nights yeah. like and, and hard days. And like, that was never hidden. That just energizes me so much. Me
0: too. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I look back at, at my own experience in faith and my own, um, coming to know the Lord, and it was in the times where, uh, where it required immense immense hard work. That, that's, yes. Maybe that's why I love um, missionary work here at here at Damascus. The one thing I can guarantee is when you come for a summer, you will leave exhausted, right? You, you will not go home well-rested. Yeah, right. When you come and serve two, here, two years here, yeah. you'll need a time to decompress after you, after you finish for your sure, time on mission. Sure. Why? Because we're inviting you into the reality of what Christian life is. The yes to the the yes to the Lord is a full yes, and um, it's like you said before. It's it's the yes of Abraham. It's yes. it's a yes that says, "God, I'm I'm giving you everything, and I'm trusting you to reveal to me over time what that means." Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, the moment the moment that we get comfortable is the moment we start relying on ourselves again. It's right. It's right. Yeah. So I, yeah. So in a lot of ways, I, I think I think um, we have we have built our model here at Damascus intentionally. In such a way that it pushes that boundary yeah deliberately for life right because we're trying to form lifelong missionaries and right? and not a the the reason that i'm the reason that I'm certain that we're succeeding in that is because not a single day goes by where somebody doesn't question are we pushing too hard yeah yeah, yeah no exactly yeah <laughs> the minute we stop asking that question. Either means we've now achieved sainthood. Yeah, right. Or that we've stopped pushing hard yes, enough. Well,
1: yes, exactly. Well, it's all of my life for the rest of my life. You know, Nina and I, we've been discerning, we have this like empty space on the wall. And yeah. we're like, what sign do we want to put there? You know? This is one of those things. And like, like the one that we've settled, not not settled on, but like like looked into and decided is with my whole heart for my whole life. Yeah. Right. And why? Because like. With my whole heart for my whole life, when I wake up this whole day with my whole heart for, for as long as the Lord will let me stay up, and and for whatever reason we've we've
0: um, we toss that back to the creative department
1: too. Yeah, uh, to, to like our, <laughs>
0: to like create for us.
1: But I think that um, what I'm trying to get at with that is the wisdom that you're giving, and I, I would ask you on that too. Like when I make a decision for the Lord, the things that will accompany that are sacrifice and fulfillment, like always. And because, because sacrifice is what leads to fulfillment. And we know this from Genesis. I preach on this literally all of the time because I think that the Lord just tells the same story over and over and over again. He's trying to bring love and sacrifice back together. He's trying to bring fulfillment, which only happens through love, but it can't happen without sacrifice. In Genesis, he's like, you can have anything. You just can't have that one tree. And if you're anything like me and you're a critical thinker, you're like, why put a tree there? right? Like, just let it just, you knew we were going to screw it up, right? Like, well, of course he's going to put a tree there because love isn't possible without sacrifice. And so what does he do for the rest of the scriptures and the rest of salvation history, including and up to today, he's trying to bring love and sacrifice back together. Yeah. And, and I learned to love him and myself and those around me and the church differently when I sacrifice. Yeah. And so I, I, I think like a, maybe a parting piece of wisdom is like when you're discerning, like the wisdom of that poem, like, where's the Lord bidding you to come die? And isn't it funny, like in our lives with Holy Spirit, like that conscience, that voice that we all know, when you sit on your bed at night and it's just you and you really, really think to yourself, are the relationships that I'm in the right relationship? Is the wisdom that I'm listening to the wisdom that I think is coming from the Lord and, and, and what's begging me to adventure sometimes? right? Because it's not even to say that it's not wisdom that could come from the Lord. It's asking, is it wisdom that is coming from, the, that's, that's a different thing. Anyway, and like, is this pursuit of my life for finance and power and prestige? You can't lie to yourself. Like, you will know. Like, if you sit there, uh, like, I do think it's a form of prayer. It, it's the examined prayer of Ignatian, of Ignatius, rather. It's like, Lord, and, and that's, that's the solution to dating. That's the solution to missional call. That's the solution to vocation. It's like, Learning That's how to Jesus. be, learning how to be naked before the Lord. <laughs> Back to Genesis, right? Like, like, uh, yeah. Lord, I want to sacrifice my life Good. for you because yeah. you sacrifice yours for me.
0: Um, cool. Well, Brad, in in wrapping up today, so we we've got we've got some people who are watching the show today who are maybe on the fence, considering whether this is a yes that I can give with my summer or with my with my next couple years. Mm. Um, maybe we've got individuals who are watching the show today who are asking is this something that would be appropriate for my son, my daughter, my sure. grandson, my granddaughter, mm-hmm. my best friend, my uh, boyfriend? Yeah, 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 right, right, right. <laughs> um, what, what do you say?
1: Yeah, I would, um, well, let me, um, let me start with this. So like the question isn't whether or not you're called to say yes this summer to the Lord. Mm-hmm. The question is where you're called to say yes to the Lord this summer, right? So when we, when we remember that, then the first person we go to is the Lord. Yeah. And wherever he leads is where you should go not even where you could, where you should. Because the one thing that we agree on when we become Christian is that we'll never do anything that he says to do otherwise, Yep. right? Um, and, and so it's not whether or not you're called to give a yes, it's where. And if Damascus is intriguing you, if you're listening today or even watching on YouTube and you're thinking to yourself like, this might be for me, it might be for someone that I love, um, damascus.net backslash mission. It tells our story. It shares with you what we're doing. And then from there, what I would encourage you to do is if you live in an area um, that Damascus is coming to and you're a young adult, come to that event because taste and see uh, what the Lord's doing here and see if you're called to be a part of that. If you can't come to one of those events, we have the Empower Conference for Young Adults. And send the young adult in your life to that conference. It's changed countless lives. For people that don't even serve here, those are my favorite emails I get is like, hey, three years ago, I came to the Empower Conference and now I'm working this other job. I'm like, I never even knew, right? But again, if if you have a young adult in your life or if you're a young adult, come and see. That's the entire gospel is come and see and follow me. Come and see and then follow him where he calls you to say yes. But damascus.net slash mission. Um, You can email us at mission at damascus.net if you have questions and thoughts. But um. Yeah, give your life to the Lord. And, and I'm grateful for you, Aaron. And it's fun to have this interview with you today because thanks for inviting me to the same thing. It's it's amazing. Like, just let's just keep giving that to all because encounter has to lead to mission.
0: Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.